the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Common Good. AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us today. What is on everybody's mind is what's going on in the Ukraine. Absolutely. You know, there's lots of places where I'm sure you have caught up on it. A million people have fled the Ukraine as Russia continues to bombard them and kind of ratchet up uh, the attacks. But it's amazing. I'm sure you feel the same way. It is amazing that the Ukrainian people are still standing like there's there's. It There's is troubling signs for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah and obviously, we know it's gonna we know it's gonna get worse. But the fact that they've even lasted as long as they have, and their um, uh, their wherewithal seems yeah. strong. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't feel like they're ready to give up at all. So yeah. it's it's very impressive. And again, Zelensky at the head of it just continues to impress us with his leadership. Yeah, yeah. What what do you can how, as you continue to wrestle with this as a Christ follower? You see the violence, you see the evil over there. I'm sure you get questions. Just I know it's hard to just answer like, oh, here's how I deal with it. But how do we make sense of it and process what's going on? Oh, man, I just think, you know, anytime we fool ourselves into thinking there's not evil and evil people in this world, we're almost forced to remember, right, that Mm -hmm. humanity apart from Christ is really like bent on destroying each other, specifically certain people. We know this throughout history, like there have always been nations that have been led by evil men that have tried to conquer other nations. And so what we're seeing is not new, but that doesn't make it easy. And so I think we do have to, we have to keep our eyes focused on Christ. We have to trust that God will have the final word, the final say, and keep on praying. I mean, like every Every morning as my kids wake up and we go to school, we've been praying for the Ukrainian people, praying for Zelensky, and also praying for the Russians who don't Mm -hmm. want this to be happening either. And we have to just trust like, Lord, you are in the middle of this. You've promised us you're not far from suffering. In fact, you're very near it. So, Lord, do things that we can't even imagine. And, you know, stories are leaking out of of miraculous things that are happening on the Mm -hmm. ground in Ukraine. and, And that's only the work of God, right? That's right. Yeah. I, and to, to ask, how do we make sense of it? I think we can't make sense of it apart from the resurrection of Jesus and the hope uh, yeah. of of his ultimate victory uh, that we get to claim. And and I yeah. think that is where uh, we find some sense and some hope. But obviously, President Zelensky of the Ukraine, he's become uh, I'm sure he would trade this uh, mm. notoriety for peace, but Absolutely. he has become a worldwide figure and of admiration right now yeah. for leadership. There's going to be books written on this guy about leadership and what people have seen in him. And Aubrey, he, again, basically daily is addressing his nation uh, and trying to also address the Russian people and the world for you know all intents and purposes. He said this yesterday, and I found this so amazing. He said, during this time, 
We have truly become one. We forgave each other. We started loving each other. We help each other. We are worried for each other. This was part of a much bigger address. But I read that and was like, that is amazing. Like he, he basically yeah. saying two weeks ago, you might have disliked your neighbor. You might have mm. had a problem with your coworker or yeah. your family member. But now we are all united Ukrainians fighting a battle. There's a great church uh, <laughs> lesson to take here. But just in terms of what we see going on in the Ukraine, that is a pretty amazing statement, isn't it? This unity that comes from a... Um, a common foe, a common danger kind of mm-hmm. makes everything else go away. Yeah, it, I mean, it's really an interesting perspective that a common enemy does unite. And I, I love the fact that they put all of their, you know, whatever sort of whatever sort of national uh, aggression they had towards one another or mm-hmm. little fights or even probably some of the social media snark we see here in the States that that like totally got put in its proper perspective Right now, they're united uh, in one front, and that's to care for each other. And yeah. I do feel like you're right. This is a word for the church. This is a word for America right now. Like, obviously, we're not under attack. But at the same time, like, we are not becoming one. We have not forgiven mm-hmm. each other. We have not started loving each other or helping each other or being worried for each other. Could we take a a humble lesson from the Ukrainian people right now and begin to do better, even in their honor, even if we can't do it for ourselves, let's do it for the Ukrainian people. Right. That's right. But I I do. I think this is a, I think this is such a good word for all of us, but especially for the church, like we do have a common enemy and that's Satan. And I know Mm -hmm. sometimes we don't like to talk about spiritual warfare, but that's true. So this is a, you know, in light of what we're seeing happen in Ukraine, can Christians come together in this kind of spirit without having to be under like actual war on our land? I think it'd be a beautiful thing to see. Absolutely. So uh, let's take it there. You, you went there with the church. If you'd let us make that jump, as we've said all the time on the show here, Aubrey and I are, are both pastors. And, and one of the drivers of this show is to see the church be better and to yeah. see uh, evangelicalism be better. Uh Aubrey, I would say that one of the reasons that there is disunity in the church of America is that we have lost the mission, Hmm. Uh, the common mission that says, hey, we might have differences in this way or this way or this way, but we've got a common mission like you already pointed out, a common enemy but then also a common mission to go and make disciples, to be messengers of reconciliation, to be ambassadors of Christ. Uh, I feel like if we could um, get back and focus, and not, you know, a lot of people haven't lost his vision, but if we as the collective church could get back to the, the focus on the mission that Jesus has called us to, I think a lot of the squabbling and the disunity begins to go away, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I I think you're exactly right, because then our perspective is accurate again, right? Like we, mm-hmm. we're stepping back from like the ledge of uh, insanity that we're on right now. We talked about yesterday, like has evangelicalism lost its mind? We're <laughs> yeah. stepping back from that and like remembering why we're here, why we exist. And I think the the petty things that have gotten in the way of our witness over the past several years, mask debates, vaccine debates, church debates, and the not so petty things that have gotten in the way of our witness, the way right. we're treating our minority brothers and sisters. Like if we could please just remember why we're here, who we are, the fact that we are here as God's representatives on this earth, the hands and feet of Jesus. 
I just think it would, I mean, it would just change the entire dynamic, right? Yeah. But I don't know how to get there, Brian. And, and right. except for the grace of God and the spirit of God moving, you know, it, it, it feels like we can't do it on our own because like I said, we seem to be just bent on destroying each other in our sinfulness. No doubt. And I, th- I think we begin to grow in it at least on, on individual levels as we talk about the mission, as we talk about our calling. But we just point back to Jesus's earliest disciples, right? Like it was, they couldn't have been a more disunified crew but of, yeah. of who they were. They should have been, but they had a common mission, a common uh, Lord, a common enemy. And there was supernatural unity there that Jesus prayed for. And I think that is still what has been prayed for, for the church uh, today. So uh, lots going on in Ukraine. If we could say one thing, continue to pray, be, be men and women who pray for what is going on in the Ukraine. We still believe that God is at work, that God works powerfully uh, in these times of trial. Well, coming up next, Aubrey, you were able to do an interview with uh, Christy Anthony and Hannah Weehunt from SOS International. We're going to hear that interview next year on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson. We have been joined by some fabulous guests, Hannah Weehunt and Christy Anthony of SOS International here to talk about the work they're doing around the world with women and children to help fight against human trafficking, to resource kids with uh, water and supplies and things they need for life. And so I don't want you to miss any of that. So please go back, catch up on our podcast. But right now, I want to invite you to be a part of the rescue and restoration of human trafficking victims through SOS International. During this month of rescue, we're praying that our listeners will provide 80 months of loving care to women and children who are making the choice to leave their lives of bondage and slavery. Your gift of $150 covers one month of their care, safe shelter, food, medical attention, counseling, restoration ministry, education, skills training. Basically, you will be giving them a chance at a whole new life. Amazing to think how much impact your gift will have in the lives of women and children who have been trapped in the slavery of the global sex trade. And if you give right now, a generous matching partner will double whatever you provide to give twice as much love and care to these women. I hope that encourages you to be extra generous. Please give your gift now by calling 866-343-4717. Again, that's 866-343-4717. Or if it's more convenient, you can also give by clicking the SOS banner at 1160hope.com. So Hannah and Christy, one of the things that we um, sort of touched on but didn't get to dive deep into enough is just what does SOS do? I know you gave us a broad overview, but give us a little bit of details. Like what does it look like in the various countries? And perhaps share some stories about some of the things you've gotten to be a part of where you've seen some incredible movement. Okay, well, one of my favorite examples of like what SOS does and the power of transformation that can happen when you decide to develop a community and protect Irish children is a community we work with in Asia. This was a very underdeveloped community. This was generations of people locked out of the education system. Mm. So we're talking about generational poverty. We're talking about parents not being able to pass on anything to their children. We're talking about generational malnutrition, Mm. which affects children in crazy ways where they can't even get the right nutrition from their mother. So we're talking about coming against just generations of being stepped back. Everything we do, we believe in local people solving local problems and local people solving global problems. We Mm. are local people people. Um, (laughs) And so we work with local care networks. And um, we had a a man who 
knew of this community and this community broke his heart. And so he said, can you just come and look at this community with me? Mm. No kids are going to school. They do not have access to water. Mm. They do not have access to food. And so we went and looked at it with him and he said, I want to love this community. Will you partner with me in it? And so the first thing we addressed was their water issue, because that is like, if you're coming into a community and um, there's a whole thing of, there's a bunch stacked against them, you need to meet the most immediate need first. Mm. So their most immediate need is people were dying from water. I mean, kids were not making it past the age five left Mm. and right. Wow. And so we, we come in and we start giving them fresh water. So that starts to transform the community a little bit. And then we realize, okay, there's a food issue here. So we start working with the farmers and start working in the community to develop some food resources, to develop some food abilities for them. And then we decided to just go ahead and attack the beast that was education. This was a community of over 5,000 people. It was a big community. It was I think over the three neighborhoods, it was 8,000. Wow. Okay, so this is a community of 8,000 people, okay? No school buses had ever gone in this community wow. before. No one in this community had ever gone to school. So we start partnering with this local guy. We start doing a little pre-primary education. So education in this region of the world is free if you can read and write by the first grade, which they didn't have a chance. Wow. So we would come in and we would start doing education and teaching them how to read and write in Mm. three languages, actually. They're brilliant Mm. children. And if you go in now, we've been working in this community over 20 years. If you go in on a Monday morning, that community is full of school buses. Oh, come on. Kids are being picked up. There are kids in that community that started in one of these schools that now have their masters. Come on. That are developing that community. I mean, the transformation that happened in that community is insane. So what we get to do is really fun. Honestly, yeah. we get to come in and see through partnership with people here locally and people there locally, just the transformation that can come when someone says that's not my kid, but that could be my kid. And I'm going to help that kid. Oh, so good. And then Christy, can you tell us a story? Just it's something that you've seen through the work of SOS that has just moved you. I mean, that's such a powerful one. What's another example of some of the work that you're doing? Goodness, there are so many communities that come to mind. Mm. And, you know, education is a big one because I feel like education does unlock so much. But honestly, I've seen the power of food and water. I mean, such basic needs. But, you know, we have one area that when I was living in Asia, working with our office there, we had a whole bunch of water projects. We had communities where there's a lot of discrimination that happens and people are actually cut off from food, water and education inside of communities. And and if you think about it, anytime it's a commodity that there's not enough of for everybody, that power play begins to, to happen. And there's one particular guy that I worked with and we did probably 15 different water projects. He was over a whole region and we were down there doing all kinds of water projects and feeding programs. And it was cool because when I first started working with him, he was like an outcast in the area. And the more communities we were able to go in and, and drill water wells in and do community water filtration systems and, and bring in food. And, and the more he was able to develop these communities, Four years later, I was there with him at his house, and we had just gotten finished documenting a bunch of water projects that we had just finished. And I'm sitting there talking to him, and all of a sudden, the local mayor is at his door, and Mm. the police chief is at his door, and the president of a local school is at his door. And it's like the transformation that has taken place in this community when people just 
care about their community and oh, they wow. care about the children that, that live there. So none of it's rocket science. Yeah. I mean, like we're talking about simple solutions, but like that's what community development is. And so mm. getting to go inside of these communities and see the transformation that takes place. And not only are we talking about meeting basic needs, because that that is, I mean, you give them water, you give them food and that's huge. Right. But water and food are huge tools in stopping traffickers. And I think that that's a disconnect that a lot of times yes. we have as Western society when we do have water and food more readily available. But I will tell you, as somebody who's looked at these communities all over the world, the lack of food, the lack of water puts girls especially, but also little boys at such a great risk Mm. for trafficking. I mean, we had a community that we were in the process of working on getting some feeding programs expanded to. And when we got in there, I mean, this was a remote, remote community. There was not a single little girl in the village. Oh, it was just one of those that you were like, oh my gosh, what happened? And traffickers had come through two days before and offered to buy up little girls. And this community was so desperate for food that they're selling their daughters. And so, you know, we can talk about the happy side of food and water, which I love. I love the happy side of food and water. But it is such a strategic tool in stopping traffickers. Mm. And if you look globally at trafficking, food insecurity is a huge source of what gets girls trafficked and what keeps girls in trafficking. I so appreciate that you're teaching us that because I think you're right. There is a major disconnect there for people that that, like, of course you think food and water, that's good. All kids and families should have food and water, but to make that connection between that need for food and water and then therefore the predator comes in and takes over as a way to fill that gap. I, I mean, wow, that's information I don't think a lot of people know. And so I'm so grateful that SOS is in there actually bringing some of those life sustaining things like food and water as a way to combat trafficking because you don't hear about that a lot. And so that, that just feels like some really foundational proactive work that you're doing. Incredible. Love that. Yeah, we love using feeding, especially as trafficking prevention. We have, I mean, obviously when you start working in this, you begin to see the patterns of trafficking. And in Asia, we, we had worked in this particular area and we saw a lot of girls being trafficked from a city and we were actually able to send a feeding team into that area of girls who had been rescued and recovered and they were able to go through and do feeding outreaches and prevention awareness of what was going on because we were able to pinpoint hey in this region this is what traffickers are doing and so then you can serve a meal alongside that prevention and that education Mm -hmm. of like hey be on guard and you want to talk about like strategy against stopping it it's that that powerhouse combination but yeah I mean you're going up against very sophisticated crime. There is a lot of money in human trafficking. Mm -hmm. So any way that they can exploit a vulnerability or a need, we are definitely seeing them do that. I want to invite you to be a part of the rescue and restoration of human trafficking victims through SOS International. During this month of rescue, we're praying that our listeners will provide 80 months of loving care to women and children who are making the choice to leave their lives of bondage and slavery. Your gift of $150 covers one month of their care, safe shelter, food, medical attention, counseling, restoration ministry, education, skills training. Basically, you will be giving them a chance at a whole new life. Amazing to think how much impact your gift will have in the lives of women and children who have been trapped in the slavery of the global sex trade. And if you give right now, a generous matching partner will double whatever you provide to give twice as much love and care to these women. I hope that encourages you to be extra generous. Please give your gift now by calling 866-343-4717. Again, that's 866-343-4717. Or if it's more convenient, you can also give by clicking the SOS banner at 1160hope.com. 
Everybody, welcome back to The Common Good, AIM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. So glad that you've been joining us today. Something we started in the last couple weeks. Uh, you and I like to throw things at the wall and see how they go. And this one has yeah. been uh, We are calling it the social media water cooler, where we throw out a question online. We throw out a thought, a uh, something you and I are debating, mm-hmm. and, and we see if, if it goes, right? If people will go. Yeah. And generally, the key to this is to engage your friends. <laughs> they seem to <laughs> right, right. They really, like to engage online. Yep. They absolutely do. And so this week, we put back up the question that you and I had a, had a little discussion on last week, movies we've never seen. Mm-hmm. That everybody else has seen. Yes. Uh, you, people would be shocked that you didn't see this movie. So, for instance, last week I shared that I've never seen Lord of the Rings, any Shocking. of the Lord of the Rings movies. Shocking. And uh, that got some vitriol thrown my way. You you would think that, uh, yeah, that I, I, I'd done something to puppies or something. Uh, <laughs> But then you shared never seen Caddyshack never seen and uh, that got some response in yep. some other ways. So we asked people, what are some movies that you've never seen that everybody else has seen? Uh, so why don't you share some of the answers? Yeah. So, so one, Brian, it was actually familiar for me and you, and that was Avatar. There you so, go. That was on my you, list. Yep. You, you have never seen it. I saw it and didn't like it. The rest mm. of the world seemed to fall in love with it. This one's a little shocking. Somebody said, it's a wonderful life. Mm. And I feel like everyone's seen it's a wonderful life. Here's another one. Princess Bride. So I married into the Princess Bride. I'd never oh. seen that movie before. <laughs> And then Carrie and I started dating and, and and like the family that I ended up marrying into, Carrie's family, they apparently had two movies that that are like the family movies, okay. right? And one was The Princess Bride. So I'd never seen it. But once we started dating, I saw it. Wonderful movie. And the other randomly was The Three Amigos. <laughs> so, <laughs> that is so funny. Isn't it funny? And so yes. I had never seen The Princess Bride. If okay. you've never seen The Princess Bride, you have to see it. it yeah, it's is an hilarious. enjoyable but movie. Until we started dating, I had never seen that movie either. That is so funny. Okay, you married into The Princess Bride. I okay, feel like um, I did. This one I think is understandable. It's an older movie, Miracle on 34th Street. I have never seen it. Okay, I have seen it. Um, someone said they've also not seen Caddyshack. Now this, okay, this series of movies came up several times and I am... I am on the floor about this one, even more so than Lord of the Rings. Several people said they've never seen the Harry Potter movies. Oh, well, I've at least seen. I was like, I was like, she's going to say ones I haven't seen. I know it. Uh, I have seen the Harry Potter movies. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that is surprising. Have you, did you, have you only seen the movies or did you also read the books? Brian, who are you talking to right now? Yeah, that's a good point. That's I good read point. all of the books before I watched the movies. I made my kids read all of the books before they could watch the movies. Has I mean, your husband read the books? Oh, yes. We actually read most of the books on our, believe it or not, on our honeymoon as we drove from Oklahoma to um, Florida. We read the first Harry Potter book together aloud. And really? we started reading all. Yep. Even when we were in Africa, one of the Harry Potter books came out. We drove four hours to like a store where we thought it might be. We bought the United Kingdom version and we read it aloud in Africa. So, yes, we have read all of them together. The United Kingdom version. I like it. Uh, so, the, okay. I'm going to put myself out there. You're not going to be surprised by this. I You've don't never think. read them. My, my wife has read them all. My children 
I believe have read them all. Emily may not have gotten through all of them, okay. but my children read them all. We have seen all the movies and I've never read a word of any of the books. Oh, Brian. <laughs> I feel like you're not a real, you're not a real human if you haven't read Harry so Potter. All that I know of Harry Potter is from the movies. Oh, that's actually so sad because as always, the movies don't do the books justice. So it's very sad. I like to picture you and Kevin reading to each other. <laughs> I know. You're, that you're newlyweds. <laughs> you're going to laugh. So on my honeymoon, I brought a book because, you know, you're going to sit by the pool or whatever. Yeah, I brought a yeah. book, but I forgot it at home. Oh, and no. So I had, they had this little, little gift shop at the resort we stayed at. Yes. You want to know what book I, I ended up picking up and reading? I'm dying, on my to, know. I'm dying to know what. Uh, the Autobiography of Billy Graham. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that was a really spiritual honeymoon you were on there, Brian. I look back and read the biography of Billy wow. Graham poolside wow. on my honeymoon. Wow, that is so impressive. Okay, let me share you two two movies from our own uh, Salem friends here. Keith Conrad, who's our executive producer, he's never seen a James Bond movie. Any James Bond? Wow. I know. That was a little surprising to me because he's kind of a pop culture guy. So that, that say, surprised me. Knowing Keith, I would have thought I, yeah. I would have thought he would have seen James Bond movies. Now, here's one, Brian, that I know your wife will not approve of. This is Marcus Brown, our boss here at the station. He has never seen, wait for it, The Sound of Music. <laughs> I affirm that. I've seen it, but I could do without it. Oh, what? You could do without <laughs> music yes wow yes. I, I feel like this and harry potter books i don't know you anymore who are you brian actually i think you fully know me i, th I don't think that should be a surprise to you now i've seen the sound of music because like three amigos like the princess bride when i started dating carrie she was a big fan of the sound of music right so right what do you do you, you i watch sound of music <laughs> she probably watched hoosiers with me right like we probably went <laughs> that nice, route nice, but, you know yes. I, one time on The Sound of Music was enough for me. I got to be honest. You you were filled. Your cup was filled of Julie Andrews. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, so those are fun. When we get on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, uh, go ahead and, and give us feedback. Go make comments. We want to interact with our audience. So you can find us Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Common Good Talk. Aubrey, it is March People may not know this, but March is Women's History Month. We are going to talk about that next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. And we are so thrilled that you're with us today. Brian, I don't know if you know this. It's Women's History Month. I do know that, but I only learned it this morning when you okay. said, let's talk about Women's History Month. So, uh, yeah, I didn't know February was Black History Month. I did not know that March is Women's History Month. Has that been, or do you know, has that been a while or yeah. is that a newer thing? Okay, tell me, tell me the history. I know for the last several years, there's been more and more um, like publicity around yeah. it. So every okay. year there's like a theme and you can go online and there's all kinds of images to share and uh, social media, you know, uh, guidelines right, for right. people to follow as a way to help celebrate, you know, women throughout the world. So it's 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 pretty fun to have a Women's History Month. Happy Women's History March. Month. Thank you. Uh, March is also my birthday month. So I feel like this is like double double celebrating Aubrey. March is up for Aubrey. 
prepare us. March what is Aubrey's birthday? March 20th. Everyone, if you want to send presents, cards, gifts, cards, whatever, I'm ready for it. I'm just kidding. We are. Uh, no, I'm, we're going we're gonna to mark this. We're going to have some fun on the show that day. We're going to okay. do something. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. It's a Sunday, so we're going to need to pick a different day. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm taking that burden. We're going to do something. We could do a week if you want to. Aubrey's birthday week. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be happy it's, to, I'd be happy well, to Let's give that. you the month. It's no longer Women's History Month. It's Aubrey Sampson <laughs> Appreciation Month. <laughs> I like it. My dreams have come true. Okay, so Brian, I thought in honor of women's history, we could perhaps talk about women who have impacted yeah. us throughout our lives, helped us become the people we are today. So you are surrounded by women. So uh, I don't know if you want to just say, like, of course, your wives and your daughters have impacted you. If you're going to talk about someone else or do you want to include them? I'll leave that up to you. But yeah. uh, why don't you talk about that? First of all, anybody <clears throat> just tuning in who took that out of context, Brian, you're surrounded by women. <laughs> you know, I, hopefully you understand what I meant by that. Maybe you should clarify that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I do have obviously I'm married. I have a wife and I have three kids and two of them are daughters. I have a girl, then a boy than a girl. Uh, and, you know, the, the phrase Aubrey became very popular after the tragic death of Kobe Bryant, where he used to talk about being a girl dad, right? There was this whole mm. hashtag movement, hashtag girl dad, because uh, he had four daughters and everyone would be like, oh, Kobe, do you want a boy? Like, because you're, you know, mm. you're, a man, you're a basketball player. And he'd be like, I'm a girl dad. Like, I love it. Yeah. And so that whole hashtag girl dad kind of went viral uh, soon after Kobe's death. And uh, it is really fun, Aubrey, raising daughters. I know you only have sons, but uh, as a dad, as a guy, it does give you kind of a different perspective into the world, um, raising daughters of of just how girls are different than boys. And, you know, I've got a son and just they're very different people to parent. And uh, so, yeah, you know, you say, who are the women who've made a big impact in my life? I think back through my life, obviously, uh, my mother has made a huge impact mm. and my grandmas and my aunts yeah. and uncles. That yeah. goes without saying. Uh, my wife has had a huge impact yeah. in my life. And um, but I do go back to thinking, uh, you know, stereotypically, especially when we were growing up, the vast majority of your teachers were women, especially That's in the so younger true. years, yes. right? especially in yes. younger years. The vast majority of my Sunday school teachers were women. Um, and so. Uh, and I think that's still, especially in elementary school right now, that's still true. I think of my kids' elementary school, I think there was one man teacher in the whole elementary school or maybe mm -hmm, two. Mm -hmm. And so you do start to think back like, okay, my early years of church, of school were very much formed by by the, the women in my life who were the educators and who were the teachers. And uh, yeah, so it is, Aubrey, I think as we look back, I think a lot of us look back to our, especially our younger years and go, man, the people kind of forming my 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 life uh, was probably much more oriented yeah. towards women in school and church and other yeah. places. Yeah, I, that's so interesting because I, I maybe because I was at a, a Christian high school, I actually had more male teachers than like I think the average high schooler did, but I would say obviously elementary school and middle school. I mean, I don't, I don't even remember having a male teacher. And, I don't either. And yeah. you know, like you said, even now, I mean, my son in fourth grade has a male teacher right now, but none of my other kids did. 
So I, I do think women uh, throughout history have shaped a lot of our education, have shaped like who we are as a society because they've been so impacted in our schools. I would say personally, I have this great story of a, uh, you know, when I, I uh, started going to youth group when I was in high school and I am not in touch with this woman now at all. Everyone just called her KZ. I don't even know what her name is, but she was like a a small group leader or youth group leader, right? In mm-hmm. in my high school youth group. And I'll never forget one time I was sitting by her in a Bible study and we were reading Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And she literally kept like, like lovingly smacking me on the leg saying, <laughs> there is now, Aubrey, do you hear this? There is now no condemnation for those who, there is now no. And she just kept repeating it like five or six times. And I have never forgotten that one. I think the repetition like helps you remember the like the embodiment as she's like reminding me as she's like smacking my leg again. And it was a kind, loving way. It wasn't hurtful or anything. Um, but she loved Jesus and she was so passionate. And that's a woman who I've always gone back to and been so grateful for her influence in my life, especially, I don't know why that moment is so memorable to me, but I'll never forget it. So in a very similar way, that's an awesome story. In a very yeah. similar way, I had a, you know, our church, we were this little church. We were meeting in a school when I was younger and then we built a, a church in town. Uh, and we, especially when I was younger, we always had this uh, Sunday school teacher named Mrs. Dingamance. Okay. That was her okay. name. Okay. Uh, and uh, she was always our Sunday school teacher. And now you look back and go, man, this person did this week in and week out. Like, mm. I'm sure she wasn't there. Like, in my mind, she was there every Sunday for years, right? Like, never yeah. missed a Sunday. Uh, and she, her husband had died when he was young and she was young. So at the time, she was widowed. She's since remarried. Uh, but this is, you want to know the memory? We still, some of uh, me and my old church friends, we will still end up texting jokes about this at times, or you'll see it on Facebook or something. Mrs. Dingamance, I don't think you could do this anymore, but we would be sitting around a table, right? Like there would just be you know, uh-huh. five or six of us. We'd be sitting around a table. We're young, second grade, third grade or whatever. Uh, she never used it, but the thread of it always kept us in line. She kept a wooden spoon in the Ooh. middle of the table. Dang, there was, that's there was a, uh, a wooden spoon. And, and in our minds, it was like, if I get out of line, yeah. this wooden spoon is coming. Yeah. Uh, in, in, uh, you know, in, in transparency, I don't think it was ever actually used. <laughs> so, and it, she probably would have gotten in trouble if she had used it. But now looking back, like, could you imagine if like your church that you learned, like one of your Sunday school teachers oh, was no, like, no, no. no I mean, I'm going to keep this and stick this wooden spoon in the middle of the chair or the middle of the table. You would get in big trouble, but that's actually yes. pretty amazing. She just stuck it there kind of like a sign and a symbol. You better not. You better toe the line. You little kids. I love that it. I love it. it. That's that's a great story. Well, you can explore the history of women's rights uh, just by even searching on the Internet about the history of Women's uh, History Month. The theme for this month is providing healing, promoting hope. And so, uh, you know, maybe take a minute for the women in your life who have provided hope or healing or even just a good memory for you. Send them a note, send them a text, send them a message on social media. Let them know that they have meant something to you. That's one way you can honor women during Women's History Month. Well, coming up next, Brian, we're going to honor somebody else. And this is obviously not December. It's not Pearl Harbor. But I found this incredible audio of survivors from Pearl Pearl Harbor Day, 80 years later, talking about their reflection. It is a conversation you are not going to want to miss. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. 
everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian. We're so glad that you're with us today. In everything that we're doing right now, our eyes are set on the Ukraine. Our our prayers are with the people of Ukraine and the people in Russia as well who don't Mm -hmm. want this war to be happening. And Brian, I, I think in our day and age, the closest thing we can come to... Uh, when trying to relate to what's happening in the Ukraine right now is something like 9-11, right? Right, And then even before that, um, something like Pearl Harbor, where our our land was, you know, invaded by the mm-hmm. enemy, and mm-hmm. it's it's eighty years after Pearl Harbor. The eightieth anniversary was in December, but I found this incredible audio of survivors from Pearl Harbor Day coming together last December to reflect on what it was mm. like to live through that. And this is NBCNews.com. Tell me what you remember happening that day. Well, I remember it all. We heard a screaming aircraft and a moment later, a terrible explosion. Jack Holder, born in 1921, was on Ford Island that morning working as a flight engineer. It's sort of hard for me to believe. Then when those torpedoes started hitting us, I couldn't believe So I tried to count those torpedoes, but I lost count. I don't know well if more than nine of them hit us. David Russell, born in 1920, was aboard the USS Oklahoma when it was hit and then began to capsize. It was such a big surprise and shock to, uh, to, to lose all those men. Frank Eamon, born in 1918 and perhaps the oldest known survivor from that day, was aboard the USS Pennsylvania as a young musician lining up to play Morning Colors when his ship was bombed. It was instant confusion. Bad scrabble confusion. Freeman Johnson, born in 1920, was down below on the USS St. Louis. From the boiler room, he could only hear the bombs. His ship, later nicknamed the Lucky Lou, because despite the attack, it made it out of the harbor with no casualties. It was the only ship that day where no one died. On December the 7th, I woke up early in the morning. They started firing at us, and first thing you know, the windows blew out. It scared the hell out of us. We turned on the radio, it says it always be an attack. And then we looked toward Pearl Harbor, you see all oh, black smoke coming out. Ralph Matsumoto, born in 1921, a Japanese-American who witnessed the attack from a friend's home nearby. Feeling the fervor of patriotism, Ralph later enlisted in the U.S. Army. The entire attack on Pearl Harbor took only 75 minutes, but it changed these men's lives, as well as our nation, forever. It, uh, it turns a boy into a man. We talk about the group of you. Should we call you heroes? No, I've never I've been called that many times, but I've never, when I joined the Navy, I took an oath and I just tried to live up to that oath. I'm just doing a job, that's all. I think the heroes were just the regular ordinary seamen. I consider myself just an ordinary seaman who did the job that they were trained to do. A lot of people don't realize, I think, the military didn't win this conflict by themselves. The people at home, all their grandmothers and everybody, Rosie the Riveters and so forth, what a great job they done supporting the military. The nation came together. The nation came together. Did the nation come together in a way that we maybe haven't seen since? Yes. 
Do you think that you survived so that you could tell the story? Yes, that, that's what I think. I, I, I think what happened to all of us, that uh, we're here to, to keep spreading the word that we did have a Pearl Harbor. We were attacked very strongly, but, but we learned something at that time also. Be encouraged that we have always succeeded. We have always survived by, by being united together. Brian, what's wild to me is the emotion 80 mm. years later. And I know we, we're we not sharing the video with our listeners, but if you were watching this video, you would see tears in these men's eyes still yeah. 80 years later as they're reflecting on a day that changed history. And, you know, I think the money quote is what we're seeing happening in the Ukraine right now, where that gentleman said, we have always survived by being united together. That's right. And, you know, I, I, again, one of the questions that they were asked was, is the nation coming together right now? And they said, no, absolutely not. And it feels like this is like from the from our elders, a word of, of prophecy almost yeah. that it is it is time for our nation to come together the way we're seeing a nation like Ukraine come together. I, what did you think about this as you listened? Yeah, it is. It's always humbling. Right. The first word that comes to mind when you watch these guys and it, 80 years later, they're still staring at the water where mm. so many of their friends died, right? Mm. And and you hear them wrestling with the, why did I live and they died? Right. And what's the purpose? What's the point? And I would have to think people at the Ukraine are asking that question right now. What's the purpose? What's the yeah. point? Yeah. Uh, but then also so many things stood out to me. I'm, I'm really glad we got to listen to it because uh, they talked about near the end where they had never met. 80 years, mm. right? They had never met, two of them at least. And they said, we're brothers. Uh, Carrie Sanders said, are you bonded? Are you? And they're like, we're brothers. We've gone through the same thing. I think about that for the Ukraine. I also think about that for the church. What is it that bonds us together, right? Mm. What is it that the bond that runs deep? But yeah. also it's amazing, Aubrey, 80 years and the pain is still there. And I know yes. that's obvious, but it is still striking. After 80 years, the pain hasn't subsided. It no. hasn't gone away. That right. reminds us of something about grief. And one last thing I would say is there is a reminder, especially as there's only a handful of people still alive 80 years later mm. who were there, right? They're getting a, a, really right. old now. Right, right. Uh, there is power in remembering and there's importance mm. in remembering Uh what was the big saying as uh, after 9-11, right? Never forget. Mm. There, There's a there's something in remembering and we do that in the church, right? What do we do when we take communion? We do it because Jesus said, do this in remembrance yeah. to remind. Yeah. We're very forgetful as people. We move on to the next thing and so we can't true. forget things like this that have defined us. And so, yeah, it's super inspiring to watch those guys. It is. And, and I think in, in remembering is honoring those, those men and those women who gave our, gave their lives that day at Pearl Harbor and are giving their lives now in Ukraine. I mean, this is what I keep thinking about. There was a, you know, part of that audio, they talked about how everyone came together, that yeah. even, even non-military people came together. The women came together, the grandmas, grandpas, everyone was that day, like fighting and fighting through horror. And obviously that's what's happening in the Ukraine right now. And, and so I honoring those who have suffered things that we've never suffered. And then right. I guess, Brian, one of the things that we like to do here, especially as we're continuing to talk about what's happening in Ukraine is, is to keep an eye on Jesus and the mm. end game here. And so I, I wonder if just like with the last minute or so that we have, 
Can you give a pastoral word for people who are wondering where is God in all of this? Yeah, it's it's a great question because you do. We talked about that earlier in the show. Like, what's where is God in the midst of all of this un, uh, unsettledness or just this evil? And the good news of Scripture, there's a couple good news <laughs> points about this. Yeah. Is one. Uh, God says, I am near to the brokenhearted. He says, I will be with you always. That there is no spot in scripture where God says, hey, I, I'm not here. And that's why it's going to go, you know, like I'm with you. I'm, I'm with mm-hmm. you in this. Yeah. And therefore he offers his peace. He offers his presence. And we can hold on to that, whether it's something like the Ukraine or whether you're going through personal grief of some sort. And then also there's there's also that reminder that Jesus has won the victory. And while we live in this broken world, this already not yet, there is coming a day when that victory is fully realized, when the Vladimir Putins of the world won't be able to w- wage this sort of power Amen. And, and this sort of destruction. And so we, we hold on to his presence now and we gain a perspective of a future victory, a realized victory. And what it doesn't necessarily make it easier, Aubrey, but it gives us a perspective that I think allows us to endure. Yeah, that's so good, Brian. That's the that I, we should tweet that. That's that's so good. It doesn't make it easier, but gives us a perspective that allows us to endure. And of course, that's what we're continuing to pray for the people of Ukraine. Well, we've been talking about some heavy things today, and we always want to do that to honor what's going on in the world. But we're going to take a little shift when we return and talk about some fun, lighthearted things and vent a little bit. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian from Brian. It is time for Grinds My Gears. And let's explain to the people what that means. Yes, Grinds My Gears, one of my favorite segments because we don't get these sort of places to vent a little bit. Uh, This is our opportunity to say these things in our lives or in the world around us, whatever else it might be, uh, they just bother us. They get under our skin. They they just kind of tick us off. We understand there's a lot bigger things going on in the world that – that's not what the point of this segment. So we're not talking about the war in the Ukraine. We're not talking about COVID or whatever else it might be. Right. These are supposed to be small things, but they just get under your skin, right? They just get under your skin and it's just freeing to be able to vent about them and to go. Absolutely. So again, I mean, we're, I'm repeating what you basically said. We're not talking about world hunger. We're not talking about war. We're talking about just just things we need to get off our chest. That's right. And That's so right. you've got you've got a couple on your mind right now, Brian. So I, feel like uh, I can have one a day. I feel like I could do this every day. <laughs> There's always something to complain about, is what you're saying. <laughs> uh, so do you want to jump in first, Brian? I do, Aubrey. Okay. I was sitting uh, in the parking lot. I pulled into Panera the other day. Uh, a lot of these have to do with Panera, right? Like I tend to be in the Panera the other day. By the way, got into a little bit of an argument the other day oh. with a family member of mine oh. about a pass grinds my gears and <gasps> whether or not you need to clean up your own t- uh, table at Panera. Oh, and what did they say? They said they didn't think so. And I said, you're a terrible person or you should leave a tip. And we kind of went on it a little <laughs> oh, bit. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Goodheartedly, lightheartedly. Yeah, of course. Uh, so uh, here we go. I'm, I'm pulled in. I parked. And a lot of times when I park, I'll first just kind of sit in my car and go through some text messages or whatever before going in. I'm sitting there 
And what happens to the car next to me, not because of me, but for one unknown reason or another, is the car alarm went off. Oh, okay. Aubrey, I do not understand the need or the purpose of the car alarm. I don't know how many cars have actually been saved versus (laughs) just the car going crazy for however indeterminate amount of time over some imagined uh, car right there. We have all been there, right? You're sitting at your son or daughter's baseball or softball game. Enjoying a beautiful evening yes. outside this and someone's car alarm goes yes, off and you start looking so at true. each other and it might only be two minutes, but it feels like it's two days, right? Yes, because it's so this true. piercing noise. I would prefer, Aubrey, that we do away with the car alarm. Okay, Lock your okay. doors. Uh, keep Lock, an eye out. Whatever. Doors. But we've all had it where 11 at night, somebody in the neighborhood's car alarm goes off because an animal walks too close to it. My guess is, here, I'll put it this way. And somebody, feel free to write into the show and tell me I'm wrong. I've never heard anybody say to me, you know what? There was a guy in a mask. He was about to steal my car. But you know what saved it? That really loud car alarm. (laughs) You never hear that. That's true. That's true, Brian. (laughs) But they go off. All the time. Am okay, I overblowing so, this? I well, I, I feel like there's a story. Like, what am I missing? Where did this happen? Oh no, it just happens all the time. Oh, you're just saying it happens all the time. Okay, I thought like I thought like you were up all night because of it. Or no, something. no, the most recent was at Panera when I'm just sitting in my car and the person's car alarm went off. And you know what? There wasn't anybody around their car, not even close. <laughs> and okay, it that's just a good started. One. And they're piercing loud noises, and it just keeps going. I feel like with here, I'll put it this way. Okay. I feel like with the technology that we have, we could progress beyond the really loud car alarm yeah there's got to be something something else else. like it dials 911 immediately right or whatever else it sends a message to your phone and you dial 911 immediately like yeah because obviously you don't want your car broken into but i i agree and it tends to happen like in the middle of the night that's right what grinds my gears is the car alarm okay i'm gonna get a little bit personal with this one this is a problem in my family so i'm i'm venting about my family right now Ooh. i live as you know with three boys yes and a husband so four boys but i'm bump um i'm surrounded <laughs> by men yes and in a lot of families including my own the men eat all the food and especially when you have growing teenage boys they're hungry all the time. Now, everyone mm-hmm. told me this was going to happen, that I would be going to the grocery store every few days. We are in that stage where we go to the grocery store. I go to the grocery store all the time. We spend so much money on groceries. <laughs> my yes. kids eat. That's not even my grinds, my gears yet. Okay. Yep. Here's my grinds, my gears. I The majority of the money I spend on groceries is for my sons and my husband to make sure that they feel well-fed, cared for, loved. There's not food scarcity in the Samson house, okay? <laughs> but mama buys a few things that are just hers. For instance, <laughs> I really enjoy, as a little late-night treat, light Cool Whip. I'll put it in a cup. I'll eat it like it's ice cream. Sometimes That's I'll put fair. chocolate syrup on it, Okay. I hide it in the back of the fridge or under the vegetables or anywhere creative I can think of. So nobody else has it. 
I'll buy more than one so they can have some for themselves if they want it. But I like to have a container that's mine. What grinds my gears is inevitably, and this just happened this week, (laughs) my kids find my hiding spot or my husband finds my hiding spot. I go to get my nightly treat and it's gone. (laughs) I mean, it makes me so angry because my entire life is bent on making sure they have the food that they want, the snacks that they want. Our budget (laughs) is based on this. My time and my energy is based on this. And they have the audacity to eat my last bit of Cool Whip. And it makes me so angry. And Cool Whip is representative, Brian, of other things like cereal that I just want for myself Uh or whatever. Uh The last, I don't know what it, the last bit of the ice cream that I saved that I really, really wanted and I, I'm very bitter and resentful about it. And clearly. Clearly. The, I needed to fence about this. So thank you for grinds my gears. I needed to get this off my chest. I think that is a noble cause. Thank you, Brian. And and a lost cause. <laughs> it's a lo- I know. It's a lost cause. It so absolutely is. When when male Samson, whoever it is, yes. eats your Cool Whip and yes. finishes, do you go on the warpath to figure out who it is? Oh, I mean, I typically know who it is because it's like a joke in my house, right? Like they're like, it was me, you know, because they all know mom's going to lose her mind when this happens. And I, I'll be like, I'm going to take it out of your allowance next time. And of course, I never do. It is a lost cost. I think you need, I think you need an Aubrey mini fridge freezer. Brian, this is what I've been threatening for a while. I'm going to get my own fridge freezer with a lock. Yes, I think it's fair. No one can access. I think it's fair. I think that is fair. That will teach some respect. Thank you. Uh, That is the most passionate you have gotten and grinds my gears. (sighs) We're going to call. We're going to call Cool Whip being eaten. Yours. See you at the poll. Uh, That was. That was good times. Uh, oh, we'll end there because I was okay. going to go off on the uh, baseball lockout. But we don't need it, to do that. You? We need yeah. we need to just end with Cool Whip. That was beautiful. That was yeah, beautiful. The essence of Grinds My Gears. Well, so that's Grinds My Gears right there, ladies and gentlemen. If you have a Grinds My Gears you'd like to share with us, we would love to hear from you on our social media at Common Good Talk, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can tell us the things that grind your gears as well, and maybe we'll share them on the show. Uh, Brian, when we return, speaking of mothers and sons having issues to deal with, we're going to talk about a mom who paid her son quite a bit of money to stay off social media and have a debate about is this good parenting or not. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. And it is the end of today's show. And at the end of every show, we love to bring you something that's challenging or inspiring or will put a smile on your face, Brian. I think this one is both challenging and inspiring. We're going to talk about social media and parenting and kids. Mm. Brian, I found this story on Good Morning America about a mom who paid her 18-year-old son $1,800 to stay off social media. So here's the story. Six years ago, mom in Minnesota challenged her 12-year-old son to avoid social media until he was 18. He just turned 18, so he got his $1,800. Wow. And I know. Isn't that absolutely amazing? And uh, he apparently right away said, yes, I'll do it when he was 12. Uh, He thought, well, $1,800 in six years, of course I want that. And at the time, apparently, he was on Snapchat, but then he deleted the app and uh, stayed off of social media for six years. And now that he's 18, he's starting to go on again, social media again. But 
apparently he had some older sisters and saw how difficult social media had been for her. It was impacting her mood, her friendships, her feelings. She had a lot of anxiety about it, like keeping up on some of the streaks on Snapchat and other social media apps. And so they just decided, look, we're going to do something different for our younger kids. We don't want to see them go through this again. And so this was the challenge and he agreed to it. And they say that, um, you know, he's got a lot of confidence. He didn't seem to care that his friends were on social media. Like it didn't really negatively impact his life or his social life. He was able to avoid a lot of the drama. And so in general, this was a really positive experience for him. I thought it was a great idea, Brian. What did you think? I think it's fabulous. Like some people are like, oh, you're bribing your kid. Yeah, we do that all the time. Incentivizing. Exactly. I think it's great for a couple different reasons. One, um, it was a long term play, right? Like, all right, I don't mm-hmm. want my kid on social media for all, you know, from 12 to 18. Uh, so what would be the incentive? Like you said, well, the incentive is $1,800. And if you feel this strongly about social media, and um, I think there's good reason to feel this strongly about kids and social media, then I think this is a great, it's an incentive. It was probably fun for the kid. Yeah, it was, it yeah. teaches them something about money. Um, now there's probably, you know, there's probably got to be good trust as well. How do you like keep up with this? But it does. I think bravo to this mom. And, and I know I love it. It's fun. I think it's great. Yep. Yep. I thought it was, a, I thought it was a really good idea. And of course not everyone has $1,800 to give to their kids, but some type of incentivization like that, I think is such a, such a great idea. And now he's 18 and hopefully mature enough to begin like balancing social media in a way that maybe he couldn't when he was younger. So, you know, that's a really fun story, Brian. Uh, obviously you and I have talked about some of the darker side of social media, especially mm-hmm. with our teenagers. You've talked about how uh, Instagram especially has um, kind of contributed to the rise of of teenage eating disorders in a mm-hmm. difficult, mm-hmm. difficult, painful way, contributed to the rise of um, uh, even suicidal Suicides. tendencies, yeah. depression, yeah, yeah. anxiety, I mean, all of these heartbreaking things. And yet we're seeing all the warning signs and not a lot of us are doing anything mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. Well, Penelope Cruz, the actress and her husband, Javier Bardem, have actually decided to do something about it. They're keeping their children, 10-year-old son, Leo, and 8-year-old daughter, Luna, off of social media for now. She was doing an interview with CBS Sunday Morning, and she really talked about, um, with a lot of passion, why they're not letting their kids do social media. So let's go ahead and take a listen to that. I have a strange relationship with social media where I use very little of it in a very careful way. There is something that is not making sense and is especially affecting younger generations. I feel really bad for the ones that are teenagers now. It's almost like if the world was doing some kind of experiment on them. Oh, let's see what happens. If you expose a 12-year-old to that much technology, the lack of protection that it is for a 12-year-old to be involved with social media, any form of social media, there's no protection for them, for the brains that are still developing um, how that affects the way they see themselves, how everything like related to bullying, so many things that are not the childhood that we have. I'm very tough with technology, for example, with my kids. It's like, yeah, we can watch movies sometimes or some cartoons. Some, uh, How can I not let them watch movies? That has been like my some incredible moments of happiness since I was a little girl, but not to 
not not phones until they are much older, no social media until at least 16. Like that, I, I really see that, that is like protecting mental health. But I seem to be part of a minority. So, Brian, I, I thought she had some really powerful points that ultimately like this is about their mental health. And she's not sure why other parents aren't doing this. It's hard because you and I both have kids this age. My kids are a little older. And if I'm honest, they're on social media, right? My kids are on Instagram. We try to keep an eye. But it is – you have to be super intentional to keep them out of the flow of what all their friends are doing and what all – you know. and it's easy to be like, well, don't do what your friends do. It's got to be really intentional. Your kids have to understand why you're doing it and it's difficult. Um, And I think not all social media is the same, right? There's Instagram, but I also think TikTok has some greater issues, Snapchat and others. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I do think people can have those conversations. But yeah, it's uh, bravo to these people. Like We always talk about intentionality, right? Intentionality in your marriage, intentionality in your parenting. If this is a hill to die on for you, then figure out a way to make sure your kids stay off it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe it's never introducing a phone in the first place. Like That's a huge countercultural deal at the moment. Yeah, it is. Uh, But maybe it's just, hey, explaining to your kids why you want them off it. At the very least, as parents out there, even if you're going to let your kids be on it, like we have, Mm -hmm. or at least I have, know the dangers, know the problems, get yourself educated so that you're not surprised down the road. Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a really good point. Have an open conversation with your kids. Our, our kids are not on social media right now, but they are in discord, which is like a Mm -hmm. version of at least communication for gamers. So it's, I think it's just because they're boys and they're a little bit younger. That's the thing they're wanting to do rather than, you know, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook. And I don't know that we're ready to let our kids on social media yet. Um, yeah. And part of it is I do. I worry about how their how their like personhood is being formed, like mm-hmm. how they're being formed as humans through this. And I I do think it's going to be interesting decades from now to see the impact of all of this for good and for ill, and right. and where we might need to like course correct because of it. Obviously, we're seeing some devastating warning signs now, so. Like you said, we need to be aware of the danger so we're not naive to them and we can help our kids navigate them. Interestingly, I was reading um, James K.A. Smith. He's a he's a Christian philosopher and he talks a lot about in a world that's trying to form us, we need to have counter liturgies. So Mm. like we're not necessarily going to say no social media ever again. But what can we teach our kids to do in place of social media all the time? Right. Like and even and he, he even talks about simple things like making the bed or like uh, going outside for a walk. These counter liturgies to help you get off your screen, get some perspective, um, not feel so trapped and imprisoned by it as a way to help form us and form mm-hmm. our kids to mm-hmm. the person of Jesus Christ. So I think that's something else that we can think about when we're talking to our kids, like be aware of the dangers. What could you perhaps do yeah. while you take a break from social media? You know, taking a break is a counter liturgy, but then what could you do to fill that time? Yeah. And I would say the real takeaway for me too is just, and this sounds really basic, be involved in your kids' lives, build mm. a trust with them where they can share with you what's going on. That's good. Know, what's, know what the struggles are for teenagers these days. It, it takes a lot of effort to be super involved in your kids' lives. Like not yeah. like, not like helicopter parent, but I'm like, just have that open line of communication, yep. that relationship and know what's going on. It takes work, but obvious, this is the most obvious statement of the day. It's well worth it as a parent. Absolutely. Yep. It's well worth it as a parent. Well, we hope that that encourages you, inspires you, or challenges you to think about social media in a different way today. And thanks so much for joining us today. We'll be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. 
For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.